Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're having a good day. A lot going on in the news again. U.S.-China trade talks, but no big breakthroughs yet. USDA proposes bioengineered food labels. Brazil is upset again with U.S. cotton payments and another White House RFS meeting scheduled for Monday. But we start today with uh, the condition of the uh, wheat crop in the plains. Joining us now is John Jenkinson from RFD-TV, who also farms in western Kansas. John, thanks for joining us. Any improvement in your weather in western Kansas? Well, we have, <clears throat> excuse me, Mike, we have been getting a little bit more humidity. Uh, we had uh, some of those thunderstorms work their way a little further west in parts of western Kansas. Uh, those were basically from Dodge City East. They dropped anywhere from 20 to 30 hundredths of rain. And the further east you went, the heavier the rain got. As far as western Kansas, still west of Garden City, no rain as of yet. So still some pretty severe drought there. But uh, the wheat's still kind of holding on, at least with the moisture in the air and some of the cloudy skies. That has helped. But we're still getting a lot of wind from time to time, and that certainly takes its toll. Okay, so the wheat tour has taken place, and the results coming in, of course, showing uh, the damage that uh, was expected. Were you surprised at the results? No, I really wasn't, Mike. I think uh, I think that things were pretty spot on. Um, there were some areas that were worse than uh, what was expected. There were some areas that actually were a little bit better, particularly when you get into central Kansas. Uh, some of that frost damage was not quite as severe as what some had feared, but, uh, you know, it probably... Uh, is good to tell the rest of the story that we still have a long way to go with this crop. If we would get some rain, it'll at least stop things from going backward. Um, if it would turn off hot and windy and dry, this crop is far enough late uh, behind in maturity, I guess I should say, that it could be trying to mature when it's hot and dry if we would get hot and dry weather. And uh, that, could, that could add some more insult to injury with this crop. What about corn planting? <laughs> Glad you asked. Corn planting, just about all of the corn in western Kansas is now in the ground. Uh, there's a little bit here and there, some spotty areas that still have a little ways to go. But uh, the biggest majority of it, particularly along the southern three to four tiers of counties, is all in the ground. Northwest Kansas, uh, I uh, spoke to my son-in-law yesterday, and he's, in, he's a farmer in, in northwest Kansas. He says that they're just getting started pretty good, so... Uh, southwest Kansas, southern Kansas, most of that is all in the ground, and, and the warm temperatures have really caused it to, to pop. Well, warm, dry, and windy is not unusual for western Kansas, but you've sure had your share this year. We certainly have, and uh, we are keeping uh, hopes that maybe this weather pattern will change a little bit. Um, but um, the alfalfa, you know, we've had a, a shortage of hay this year. All of the hay has really been bought up, and all of the stacks are pretty much gone because of the wildfires and some of the droughts and some of the problems in other areas. Uh, the guys have been pumping on, uh, pumping water, irrigating on alfalfa since back in January. But the alfalfa looks pretty good, and this first cutting is really coming on nice. We didn't have a blizzard this year, a late-season blizzard, to slow things down. So that, that part is looking pretty good. But as you say, it continues to be dry, and that's going to continue to be an issue. Well, for folks in your part of the world, uh, weather challenges are nothing new. They're you're pretty hardy folks there to dealing with it. You're used to dealing with it, but it it can weigh on you too. What's the mood? What's the attitude of farmers? And and what are they most concerned about right now, other than weather and and getting things going crop wise? What are some of the issues that uh, they're talking about? There's been a sigh of relief that the crop insurance program is basically left untouched in this next farm bill. From what they've been hearing, what's coming out of the house, that has been one sigh of relief. And you know, Senator Pat Roberts and uh, Congressman Marshall and uh, as well as uh, Senator Moran have, have really made sure that, uh, that the rest of uh, Washington understands the perils that western Kansas producers can face. And so uh, there is a sigh of relief about that. Uh, there is hope that, you know, eventually this weather pattern will start to turn. So optimism is, is better than it was a couple of months ago, uh, particularly now that we're getting this, uh, this, this crop insurance title made sure that it's pretty much left alone in the, uh, in the farm bill because that, that's one of the uh, tools uh, available to a lot of producers out here in western Kansas. We're, 
where uh, you know it can be kind of brutal from Mother Nature uh, that keeps us going from year to year. Colin Peterson told us this week he's not hearing much from uh, farmers in his state about uh, the uh, the farm bill. He says they're more concerned about trade and RFS and those issues. I'm guessing that's because they are pretty much leaving uh, crop insurance alone. If they ever start tampering with that, that's when you'll hear from farmers probably. Particularly in our area, yes, trade is on everybody's mind. A lot of our area producers know that trade is an issue. Uh, they, they talk about it, and that it certainly is uh, has been discussed. But what the crop insurance issue was, was really talked about there for, for quite some time. So what are your uh, folks uh, in western Kansas uh, talking about when it comes to trade and uh, the trade uh, uh, approach that the Trump administration is taking? Well, they're hopeful that maybe something can be worked out. One of the points that I continually hear a lot of producers in our area make is the fact that the world still has to eat and there's still going to be a demand. And so, therefore, they're hopeful that this can all be resolved uh, without some big trade uh, uh, battle And because they are very aware of how important exports are to the price, the bottom line price. And, you know, out here where some of our margins are so narrow, uh, that's pretty important. Well, you report those markets every day on RFD TV. I, I know you wish you had better news uh, each day that you go on. <laughs> yeah, you know, there was uh, quite a run-up yesterday. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, it was one, of the, uh, one of the things we were discussing here this morning was the fact uh, that we saw the soybean price take such a jump yesterday. When there was a rumor uh, that there may be some kind of resolve, which just shows uh, how, how well this market can respond if it has some good news. And so... Uh, that's that's basically what what everybody's watching for is maybe some resolve and some direction. Yeah, a rumor can work both ways, though, right? A rumor can be positive <laughs> or negative. That's right. That's right. But we are staying on top of it here. All right. Well, get your makeup on and uh, get get <laughs> back on the on the set there for TV. Okay. We will. And uh, by the way, we all want to wish everyone a very safe uh, planting season. We know that uh, you know it's it's a busy time. Uh, but we do appreciate everything that rural America has to offer and all the hard work. And uh, we're going to we're gonna continue to try to keep everybody. And you keep up the good work as well, Mike. Thank you. Say hi to Janet Atkinson and all the folks here at RF- RFD-TV for us, okay? Thank you. We certainly will. Thank you. Okay. John Jenkinson from RFD-TV, also uh, farms in uh, western Kansas. Uh, you see him on uh, with... Marlon Bowling and Janet Atkinson and the crew at RFD-TV. All right, coming up on our program today, we're going to talk some of the ag issues with Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union, get his thoughts on farm bill and trade and the RFS. Also, we're going to get a legal perspective on that recent court case in North Carolina. Big settlement for plaintiffs against a big hog operation there in North Carolina. Uh, there's been some strong reaction within agriculture to that. We're going to talk with an attorney with OFW Law and get his thoughts on, on that case and what it could mean moving forward for animal agriculture. But coming up next, um, there's work being done on an insurance program for the dairy industry. John Newton with the American Farm Bureau Federation will join us to tell us about that. That's coming up next. You're listening to AOA Adams on Agriculture. Mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide, and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. We're proud of our new affiliates. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. 
All right, guys, we're ready for our four season sunroom, and Daddy's gonna get a rec room with refreshments. Oh no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four seasons garden room, weather tight, and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. The sign-up for the Dairy Margin Protection Program is underway right now, and as dairy producers uh, decide whether or not to uh, sign up for that program, we look ahead to another program coming up, an insurance program that uh, we uh, expect to get the details on sometime this summer. Let's get an update on that from the Director of Market Intelligence for the American Farm Bureau Federation, John Newton. John, thanks for joining us. Where are you at on this program? Uh, well, well, Mr. Adams, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, we, we've been working on this policy uh, now for about a year and a half. Uh, we, it was approved uh, by the Federal Crop Insurance Corporation in February, and, and beginning in February, we started working uh, with USDA uh, to set up all the policy guidelines uh, make sure we get all the legal frameworks established. But but during that time, we were really uh, prevented from talking openly about exactly what the product was. And we just uh, last week got clearance from USDA's Risk Management Agency to really start highlighting uh, more of the details of what will be coming uh, down the pipe this summer. Okay. Can what can you tell us then? Well, so the the policy it's it's a dairy revenue protection policy, and it's designed to protect. Uh, against declines in revenue over over a quarterly insurance period. So that will help farmers uh, protect against unanticipated declines in the value of their milk uh, or in uh, state-level milk production. And I think one of the unique things about the policy uh, that we're really excited about is it allows farmers uh, to to cover uh, the value of the components in the milk. Uh, So most dairy farmers are paid for the fat and protein that they produce, uh, and through this policy, we're able to value that uh, and capture the, the higher component milk and put a value on that in the revenue guarantee. Uh, we could use that, or we can use a combination of Class 3 and Class 4. So it really provides a lot of flexibility on the milk price side uh, for farmers to be able to tailor this to their individual uh, herd value of milk. Now, I mentioned that sign-up is underway now for the Margin Protection Program. Would a producer have to choose one or the other, or could they be in both? Uh, it's a little too early for that. Uh, again, a lot of the, the finer policy details, we're still working with uh, USDA on that. And so at this point in time, I don't, I don't have any clarity uh, to, to add on that. I, I will add that, that the uh, House Farm Bill, H.R. 2, uh, did provide the flexibility, if it is passed, for farmers to be in uh, both MPP and LGM dairy simultaneously. Uh, and that's something that they had not been able to do before. And that American Farm Bureau policy, our grassroots policy, uh, supports farmers having the flexibility to choose 
uh, and utilize both crop insurance style products as well as uh, Title I products like MPP or in the House Farm Bill, it's dairy risk management. We're talking with John Newton, Director of Market Intelligence for the American Farm Bureau Federation about a new dairy revenue protection program that will be out uh, later this summer. John, tell us uh, how you how you're putting this together. What uh, what did you look at? What what was kind of your goal in, in, in creating this program? Well, we we really started uh, again about two years ago. President Zippy Duval, American Farm Bureau president, put together a farm bill working group, and we traveled the country meeting with our members, uh, figuring out what did and did not work uh, in the farm bill. And it was no secret that farmers, dairy farmers, weren't exactly happy. Uh, with how the margin protection program had performed. Uh, We looked at it. We understood that everything in the landscape was all margin-based instruments. Uh, There really wasn't anything out there that would capture and address what what happened, Uh, and that is dealing with the volatility in the value of milk. In 2015, milk prices fell by 50%, uh, and yet we didn't see any of the safety nets provide a whole lot of protection. So uh, we went to the drawing board, and we looked at what was really successful in the crop insurance space, and that was revenue protection policies, and we decided to try to mimic and replicate the success there into a dairy revenue product. And I think, again, one of the things we're really happy about is the ability to lock in uh, the value of higher milk components or the flexibility to use Class 3 and 4 really uh, lets that that farmer tailor the value of milk in the policy uh, to what they're doing. LGM dairy is based on a fixed 3.5% butterfat, uh, and then the MPP is based on that national average milk price. Uh, here we're allowing much more flexibility. So the crop insurance program was kind of your model. That's what you were kind of working off of on this. That's right. So in the crop insurance space, the most widely utilized tools are, are revenue protection policies uh, where they survey a, a spring and a harvest price of, of the field crop. Uh, and then they have the, the expected production level. That becomes a revenue guarantee uh, on a crop insurance policy, very similar here. Uh, we'll use milk futures to come up with either uh, a, a three-month average class three price, a three-month average class four price, or a three-month average value for butterfat, protein, and other solids. Uh, the farmer can select which type of policy to use, uh, so they can either value their milk based on class three and four or on the milk components, and they choose a value, uh, a quantity of milk that they want to protect during that quarter that becomes the revenue guarantee that the policy is based on. Okay, that's what I was going to ask you, that uh, uh, flexibility uh, options as far as level of coverage, similar to what uh, kind of based off that crop insurance uh, program, again, you choose uh, what uh, what amount of coverage you want. You're, you're going similar model here then. That's exactly right. Uh, we're, it's a very similar to the crop insurance model, so there will be uh, coverage levels that farmers can select. They'll have a deductible. Uh, and then similar to crop insurance policies, there'll be a cost share from the government where they'll help uh, pay some of the premium uh, for farmers that are buying the policy. Okay, which leads me into my next question. As far as the, the government, uh, their part of this as far as financially, uh, has this been signed off as far as the cost of it? Is the money there for it? Well, the money certainly is there, and I think that's that's one of the other things that, that American Farm Bureau Federation uh, along with national milk producers and international dairy food associations, we lobbied uh, over the past year to, to get the cap on livestock-based uh, insurance policies removed and the Bipartisan Budget Act of 2018 uh, removed that $20 million administrative cap on livestock insurance. And effectively, what that means is now dairy, beef, pork, uh, we have the lamb, we have the full access and full resources available from the Federal Crop Insurance Corporation uh, to develop and administer policies for livestock producers. We didn't have that in the past. I think we're going to look back at four or five years and look at that as one of the key turning points for developing uh, really successful livestock-based insurance policies. So what needs to be done now to finalize this? We keep hearing late summer. Uh, what do you still have to do on this? Well, we're still working um, you know, on a daily, daily basis with USDA, risk management agency to, to hammer down all the final policy details. Uh, the, the policy needs to go under legal review. Uh, so once we get all that set up, we're setting up all the computer systems so that our system can talk to their system. Uh, they can then talk to all the insurance agent systems around the country. So uh, there's still a little bit of stuff left to do, uh, but, but we're on target uh, for a late summer rollout. 
Okay, now when you mention agents, uh, who will be selling this this policy, this insurance program to dairy producers? That's a that's a fantastic question, Mike. You know, even though uh, it was American Farm Bureau and American Farm Bureau Insurance Services that partnered with some university colleagues uh, to develop this policy, uh, it will be sold uh, by any approved insurance provider. So any any crop insurance uh, agent or company uh, around the country uh, will have the opportunity uh, to deliver these livestock-based insurance products uh, to dairy farmers. So you don't have to be a Farm Bureau member to get it. Uh, you don't have to buy it from a Farm Bureau insurance company. It will be available from, from anybody that's licensed to sell crop insurance. So there's going to be an educational curve here to get everybody up to speed. That's exactly right. One of the things that, that's also that we need to do prior to the rollout uh, of this product is we'll conduct uh, educational uh, seminars. We'll do that in partnership with the National Crop Insurance Services uh, so that we're out there training agents, building all the handbooks and educational materials uh, like you said, there's still a lot of work left to do for us to hit that late summer rollout, but we're actively uh, working. Uh, USDA has been a great partner in helping us meet all these milestones uh, along the way. So USDA is uh, a partner in this. They're fully behind it. Well, that's exactly right. This was approved by USDA's Federal Crop Insurance Board of Directors. Uh, it will be administered uh, by USDA's Risk Management Agency, uh, Secretary Purdue and his staff at RMA uh, and, and then the FCIC Board of Directors have been great partners along this whole process uh, helping us build this product. And what about dairy groups? Uh, have you been working with them, getting their input? Well, that's, that's, that's the, the very and most interesting thing is we, we actually started at the, at the grassroots level. So we went to dairy farmers uh, we talked to dairy farmers about what was working, what wasn't working with the existing suite of risk management tools, uh, what were some of the things that they'd like to see. Uh, you know, in, in 2017, Mike, I was in 20 different states around the country. So I got my frequent flyer miles uh, talking to dairy farmers, making sure that they had some input, and we built something that, that they could they could use on their operation. All right, John. So we're anxious to see uh, all the details on this. And uh, when that time comes, we'll talk again and get the word out. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. All right. John Newton, Director of Market Intelligence for the American Farm Bureau Federation, getting a little more information about this new dairy revenue protection program that will be coming out uh, later this summer. All right. We have a lot of ag issues to talk about with Roger Johnson, President of the National Farmers Union. That's next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Around 3500 B.C., someone used basic tools and slabs of wood to invent the wheel. Genius. In 1879, Thomas Edison invented the light bulb. Genius. In 1899, a Norwegian with degrees in electronics, science, and mathematics invented the paperclip. Genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at ingeniaherbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. The rumor of a trade deal between the U.S. and China said to be one of the things sparking that late rally on Thursday in soybean futures. The rumors dispelled, though, overnight. The grains reacting accordingly during the 9 a.m. central hour. Grains trending around 7 to 10 cents lower in soybeans, penny or two lower in corn, dime lower in the winter wheats, and 3 to 4 lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. Buyers emerged to support July soybeans on an intraday dip on Thursday. The contract closed out the session with solid gains. New support forming at 1034 on Thursday. Over the last two weeks, July soybeans have been consolidating. Chart support seen at 1030 and a half. Resistance at 1078, the April 13th high. 
July corn soared to a firmer close on Thursday, hitting its best level since August 15th. But again, we're flat to lower on this Friday. Nearby chart resistance lies at 411, the August 10th high. The near-term trend for corn still pointing higher, according to the wire talk. As long as support at 402 and three quarters holds firm, the corn bulls will retain the short-term technical edge. For livestock at the Merck, cattle futures opened higher, but losing some of that early steam. Gains built off of cash cattle prices that crept as high as 128 per hundredweight yesterday. Most sales seen earlier in the day from 122 to 124, a few at 125. The hog slaughter remains elevated compared with a year ago. Another 464,000 head on Thursday mixed in the futures. Outside markets, U.S. stocks wobbling after data showed the economy added fewer jobs than expected in April. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I'd wake up with a sore neck or maybe a headache, or I'd feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. Well, when I invented my pillow, I wanted it so you could adjust the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep REM sleep faster, and you will stay there longer. It's not how much time we spend in bed. It's how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all my own manufacturing in my home state of Minnesota with a 10-year warranty, and you can wash and dry my pillow. And here's my best offer ever. Get four my pillows for the price of one. That's right. Get four my pillows, two premium pillows and two travel pillows for the price of one. Order my pillow at 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Get four my pillows for the price of one. Call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Go to mypillow.com and at checkout use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Joining us now is Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union. Hi, Roger. How are you? I'm well, Mike. How are you? Good. Lots to talk about. Hey, uh, before we get to trade and farm bill and all that, I want to get your thoughts on uh, USDA unveiling its uh, labeling rule, uh, some guidance to, uh, for food companies. Uh, they're switching from GMO, we're going to call it bioengineered, but there's still a lot of questions around this, a lot of details to be worked out. Uh, just uh, what we know now, do you like this approach that they're uh, taking or not? Yeah, we're just, we're still looking at it. I think uh, sort of renaming GMOs, is, that's probably going to run into a lot of, a, a lot of traffic. I, you know, it's a common name. People know what it means. I'm not sure why. I mean, I think I know why they want to call it something else, because GMO has this negative connotation. Uh, but I suspect that will be a really big uh, part of this debate. I mean, if the, if the idea is to really provide consumers with clear, crisp, accurate information, it, you're going to have to re-educate them as to what this new name even means. And so I think that'll be a challenge. Uh, but overall, I, we're pleased to see that it's moving forward. Uh, the industry needs some clarity uh, around uh, this issue and these definitions. And uh, I, I would be a little surprised if they manage to meet their required deadline. Uh, but they're moving as quickly as they can on it. So I would certainly give them credit for doing that. they got a July 29th deadline for completing yeah. the rules. Some big issues like uh, what about... What are they going to do with gene editing and also uh, uh, yeah. defining how much of a, of a bioengineered ingredient a food must have before it requires labeling based on the percentage of yep. the product's weight? I mean, there's, there are a lot of details there. There's so we'll a lot see. of issues that are wrapped up in there. And, I, you know, they're taking a, a, a legitimate stab, I think, at trying to deal with all these issues. I, I just can't imagine, given as big an issue this has been in the public uh, sphere, that the volume of comments that they're going to get are going to require them to take more than, I think it's like three weeks is what the, the deadline would require them to have a new rule out. So I, I would expect that that's going to need to be, it, they're going to need more time to sort through all that. 
And well, then, if they, depending on what they come up with, they're likely to get sued. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it, yeah. They'll be seeking public comment, so that'll draw a lot of yeah. comments, I'm sure. Yep. So we'll see how that yep. goes, too. Yeah, and We're I'm sure we'll with... be commenting. Yep. yep, I'm sure you will. We're talking with Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union. All right, Roger, speaking of talking, U.S. and China officials have been talking this week, and there was a rumor that the, you know they had some kind of a, a breakthrough and markets got excited, but then the, that got all tampered down. And, uh, maybe they made a little progress, but no major breakthroughs. Uh, what's your view on this U.S.-China relationship right now? Well, I think it's uh, there's a lot of trouble here. I mean, listen, we have always agreed with the president's goal of bringing this enormous trade deficit down. Uh, it, it's a real problem for our economy. It's, it's, it's the reason we have lots of jobs that have left this country and that jobs that are here are, are not paying as well as they ought to be. Uh, it's the reason our economy isn't growing as fast. But having said all of that, the, I think the mistake the administration has made is introducing this enormous uncertainty into this whole marketplace. Uh, people were surprised here a couple of days ago to find out that China hasn't been buying soybeans for the last couple of weeks. I don't know why anyone would be surprised. I mean, everyone saw what happened when uh, they imposed that 178% or whatever it was tariff on sorghum. And you had all these ships that had to get turned around or find new destinations. Nobody wants to be in the position of doing a deal on soybeans and have the same sort of thing happen. So there is just a lot of uncertainty that's been introduced into this marketplace, and it's already done a lot of damage. And I think our reputation has suffered as a result of the way they've gone about it. Uh, the question, though, now is, so here we are. What do we do? And, you know, they, they, they really need to get uh, some sort of an agreement as to how China is going to work with the U.S. in bringing that trade deficit down. And I think they've made getting that agreement more difficult by sort of the, the way they've gone about it. So you agree with the goal, just not the approach to achieve the goal. I, I've never agreed with the approach. Listen, the, from the very beginning, uh, whether it's China or whether it's Mexico or wherever, I mean, the idea that before you sit down and negotiate with the country, you first do everything possible to offend their people and their leaders and then expect that somehow uh, they're going to be happy to sit down and negotiate a deal with you. I just, I've never understood that approach. I, I think it's, it, it is ill-fitted for the diplomatic world that we live in. And I understand how there's a lot of frustration over how diplomacy takes too long and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but I think there's been a lot of damage. I mean, you, you look at Mexico. I mean, they're buying corn from South America. Is it because the corn down there is better or cheaper? No, it's because they want to diversify their sources. And, you know, these words, these tweets, they have consequences. We're talking with Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union. All right, we're getting close to a vote in the House on the uh, House Ag Committee's uh, Farm Bill proposal. What do you think of it? Well, we oppose the version that came out of the House, uh, and we oppose it for a number of reasons. Uh, say two big ones are, uh, we think that the Farm Bill needs more money. If you're going to do a safety net that's going to work for today's economy versus what worked four years ago when we had uh, commodity markets uh, at roughly close to two times the level that they're at today, and net farm income significantly stronger, about double what it is today, uh, you, you need to do some serious work in Title I uh, to move reference prices higher. Uh, that is not happening in the House bill. And, of course, the, 
the approach that the chairman took with uh, the nutrition title, I think, has just it's made this a very difficult thing to accomplish. Now, the latest we heard yesterday was that it's going to be delayed another week. I mean, that tells me that the votes aren't there. We're hearing a lot of rumblings now from conservative uh, groups that are opposed to different parts of the Farm Bill. Uh, And the strategy that the chairman has always had here once he made the decision that it was going to be a partisan bill is that he's got to get uh, at least half of these sort of uh, very far-right extreme members of different caucuses that that have historically uh, been antagonistic towards the farm bill. And I don't know that that's going to happen. The early sign is maybe not. Uh, the Democrats seem to be united in opposition to it. Uh, I haven't seen or heard any talk of overtures to try and repair that rift. Uh, that that Fortunately, that's not the problem we have on the Senate side. It, it almost looks now, Mike, like the Senate, uh, they're talking about moving a bill uh, out of committee by the end of the month. Uh, that may be the first bill that makes it to a floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, you know, we'll see. There's just a lot of yeah. uncertainty around it right now. And one final note: uh, an, yet another RFS meeting scheduled for the White House on Monday. Uh, wow, this this whole situation with RFS waivers uh, just continues to uh, frustrate so many people. Oh, Do you see gosh. a resolution coming? Well, boy, I mean, I think uh, Chuck Grassley's. Uh, stated goal of getting a writer on appropriations uh, language that probably would come at the end of the year might be the best alternative here. It seems like the president has been in the middle of this but hasn't been able to decide whether he's going to side with the the ethanol industry or maintain a cozy relationship with the oil industry and and so he's tried to have a foot in both camps. And unfortunately, uh, while he's been sort of publicly wrestling with this, uh, let's go to 15% year-round, he said he supports that. He's got uh, EPA administrator granting these waivers without any sort of disclosure about them. And so that has destroyed something in excess of a billion gallons of ethanol demand uh so there's i mean i think there are real legitimate questions about whether uh this administration is standing by its promise to to support uh the rfs and and the ethanol industry you you can't on the one hand say you support it and on the other hand go through the back door and exempt all these folks uh which has the effect of significantly undercutting the RFS. And so we'll see. I mean, there's another meeting at the White House. How many times have we gone down this road where there's going to be a meeting at the White House? And we expect something out of it, and here we are months later. We'll find out next week, I guess. Roger, thanks. Good to talk with you again. Thanks, Mike. Roger Johnson, president of the National Farmers Union. All right, we're going to get some uh, legal analysis of the recent uh, jury verdict against a North Carolina hog farm. That's coming up next. Stay with us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable 
flexible bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. I'm here to tell you that your options for getting out of debt have never been better. How do I know? Because I'm Howard Dvorkin, the founder of Consolidated Credit. For nearly two decades, we've helped over 5 million people just like you. And every time we help someone, they all say the same thing. Why didn't I call sooner? If you owe too much money on your credit cards and you feel that you'll never be able to pay it off, don't wait. Simply pick up the phone and find out what our Freedom Quest program can do for you. Reducing your payments by up to 50% is just the beginning, but you have to take the first step. When credit card debt is the problem, we're the solution. Call Consolidated Credit now. As soon as you call, the hard part is over. Call Consolidated Credit now. 1-800-489-7204. 1-800-489-7204. That's 1-800-489-7204. 5701 Sunrise Boulevard, Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Licensed debt management service provider, Vermont and New York Banking Departments, Maryland 49, Oregon DM80031. In 1847, Hanson Crockett Gregory invented the donut. Genius. In 1908, Melita Benz invented the paper coffee filter. Genius. In 1928, Otto Frederick Rowetter invented sliced bread. Genius. In 1930, Ruth Wakefield invented the chocolate chip cookie. Mmm, genius. There's genius, and then there's pure genius. At BASF, that's what drove us to develop Ingenia Herbicide, our most advanced dicamba formulation ever for dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. It gives you a low-volatility solution at the lowest dicamba use rate ever offered, providing an additional site of action to outsmart the toughest weeds, even the glyphosate-resistant ones. Grow smart with Ingenia Herbicide from BASF, a flexible solution that's pure genius. Talk to your representative today. Learn more at IngeniaHerbicide.com. BASF, we create chemistry. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA-restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label directions. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Welcome back. Recently, there was a big court case in North Carolina. Some folks uh, going to court, uh, suing uh, a big hog operation there, uh, complaining about odor and other problems. And the uh, 
the verdict came in their favor against the hog operation. And that uh, prompted this statement from the American Farm Bureau Federation, the National Pork Producers Council, National Turkey Federation, and the North American Meat Institute. In their statement, they say the recent jury verdict against a North Carolina hog farm is a blatant assault on animal agriculture and on rural America. If replicated, it will raise the price of food for consumers. It also will adversely affect farmers at a time when they are adopting innovation and technology to increase sustainability. It also set a dangerous precedent that already is being used in other cases. The U.S. animal agriculture industry agrees with Ag Secretary Purdue's characterization of the verdict as despicable and with his opinion that it should be overturned. This miscarriage of justice must be rectified to ensure that the anti-agriculture advocates can't continue to attack America's farmers and ranchers. I want to get some legal perspective on this case. Uh, joined now by Gary Bays, uh, attorney with OFW Law. Gary, good to talk with you again. Uh, what's your perspective on this uh, on this case and the ruling uh awarding millions of dollars uh, to people uh, uh, that uh, filed the the complaint against the North Carolina hog farm. Does this set a precedent that uh, animal agriculture should be concerned about? Well, good morning, Mike. And yes, it does set a precedent. Uh, The $50 million number is what really grabs people's attention. However, in North Carolina, there is a statute which limits the amount of money that plaintiffs can gain here to about, we think, 225, 250,000. So the $5 million awarded to each plaintiff is not likely to come to pass. But that doesn't make any difference. All the statements you just read from the various entities indicates a concern about the $50 million press number that gets the attention. What this will do is spawn a whole host of copycat cases. And the cases actually were decreasing in numbers because actually there's a firm right there in Springfield, uh, and uh, and I've won nine of these cases. Uh, there are about three or four of us who've won every one of these cases. And this is just a plain old nuisance odor case. Uh, the guy who tried it's a brilliant trial lawyer, but he probably can't spell agriculture. Lawyers do make a difference, and as I say. As far as I know, among the five of us who've tried these cases, uh, there's never been one lost. In fact, I think you had one there in Bluffs, Illinois, uh, tried by some folks there in Springfield uh, that won uh, that one. So what you have here is Smithfield uh, hired some very high-powered lawyers, uh, and and they are terrific in terms of uh, normal courtroom issues. But when it comes to agriculture, it is my understanding that uh, they did not uh, try this case the way it should have been tried second point on this, Mike, is in Illinois, Iowa, Indiana, well, every state, all 50 states have what is called a right-to-farm statute. The right-to-farm statute was not uh, handled in the right way. Generally, you can use that right-to-farm statute as a defense for all of us. In agriculture, it has to be handled the right way, or otherwise, once you go to a jury, the emotion of these issues is so overwhelming that uh, the plaintiffs will win almost every time. So there were a number of things that I think went wrong with this case. That doesn't make any difference. We have a $50 million verdict staring American agriculture, and that will generate lots more of these cases. Obviously, it's far from over. So uh, Smithfield will appeal this, I assume? Yes, they will appeal it, but it's awfully tough to appeal something on the facts, the way this one was determined. And I wrote a column on it, I think you probably read, that talked about some of the amazing instructions given by the uh, judge. Uh, the judge in this case, not that he's not good, but he's very elderly. And it seemed to me he did demonstrate a bias against Smithfield and its subsidiary, Murphy Brown, which is the largest, uh, I think, hog producer of, of uh, sows and pigs in the country. So obviously this also kind of in, in the court of public opinion, it becomes a referendum on large-scale uh, hog operations. So how does that play into this? How it plays into this, Mike, is as follows. We in agriculture are a nuisance under the classic definition of the law. We create dust. We harm your enjoyment of your property. That is the nature of agriculture. We create the dust. We create the smells. We create the pesticide drift. That's why every state legislature has passed a right-to-farm statute. And if you know how to operate that statute, agriculture is protected. 
Every state legislature knows how important agriculture is to the state. Many lawyers do not. So if you use your right to farm statute properly, you can win these cases. In Smithfield's case, it appears they did not. North Carolina, do, do they have a right to farm law there? They do. In fact, it's almost identical to uh, Indiana's, Texas, and pretty close to Illinois. But there are some quirks in uh, virtually every right to farm statute. You have to work around. But the legislature wants agriculture protected because, as I said a moment ago, we are inherently a nuisance. So you, that's what the lawyers have to understand how to to utilize that statute. As I said, I don't think it was done in this case, although I have not read the entire record, so I could be wrong. So this case is far from over. It is far from over. In fact, Mike, the second case starts on May 29th. There are 26 of these cases lined up. So I would assume after this second case is tried starting uh, May 29th, and I am told by uh, friends who are familiar with the case that this case should be the one Smithfield will win. We will see. All right, we will see. Hey, it's good to talk with you again, and next time I want to talk with you because you go back to the days of the beginning of, of EPA. You were there on the ground floor. I want to get your thoughts yes. on what's going on with EPA and Scott Pruitt. We'll do that another time, okay? We'll do it another time, Mike. Thank you so much for calling. Good to talk to you again. Gary Bays, attorney with OFW Law, big uh, court case there in North Carolina uh, with Smithfield and uh, the case that uh, awarded $50 million to uh, those that brought the case, and we'll see where that goes. As, as Gary explained, there are some limits on there, so that may not get all that money. But it does open the door for other cases. As he said, they're already lined up, so we'll see how that all plays out. Well, that's going to wrap it up for today. Coming up on Monday, we'll talk about these and other key stories. A lot going on in the news. We want to talk more about this labeling law that's being proposed by uh, by USDA, and we'll get into all that and much more. Hope you have a great weekend. Thanks for joining us on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. The mighty Prosoro, king of fungicides. Its fast action and long residual make it the keeper of grain quality and yield, the hammer of head and leaf diseases, the number one reducer of scab. When your goal is greater wheat quality and higher yield, use Prosoro fungicide and the crown of higher profit will be yours. Learn more at prosoro.us. Always read and follow label instructions.